There are secrets out there, guys, performance marketing secrets, and knowing just one or two of them can absolutely light up your funnels. Let's go. This is the Revenue Driven CMO. I'm your host, Chris Mechanic. Join me as I uncover the secrets of the world's most elite CMOs marketing leaders. The Revenue Driven CMO is sponsored by Web Mechanics, the AI-driven performance agency that makes you smarter. Welcome to another exciting episode of Revenue Driven CMO. I'm your main man, Chris Mechanic. We've got an awesome guest here for you today. Uh, our guest today is, is a change agent. He drives change again and again uh, in all the different positions that he's been in for over 20 years both from a strategic and a tactical level. He spent time at Staples, Constant Contact. He was a marketing leader at Localytics, spent a long time at MindBody, uh, and was named recently a top 20 CMO by VentureBeat. Currently, he is CMO at sevenrooms.com, which is an experience management platform for hospitality. And he is Josh Todd, aka JT. Welcome to the show, JT. Awesome. Psyched to be here. Thanks uh, Thanks so much for having me. Looking forward to conversation today. I'm psyched to have you because you're the type of marketer, like you're, you know, you're high level, like you're an executive, but you can get into the weeds and into the channel specifics and into the, you know, the tactical stuff, which is, which is where I live a lot of the time. So I'm stoked to have it. And you know how we roll. We like to lead with value. Uh, so I'll ask you right off the bat, like, what is one of your best kept secrets to to all the success you've had? Yeah, you know, if we, you know, if you try to boil that down, something that's really top of mind for me right now is this idea that that thing that you think you need to do, you might not have to do it. You might be able to pull back from that thing that you think is so critical. And I hear this from you know various teams I've been on, like. Maybe it's a particular event like, this is the industry event. We must go and invest in this. Yeah. Um, but when you dig in, the reality is you, you might not have to be there and those dollars may be better spent somewhere else. You know, I love that. And and I can think of a bunch of examples of that. But sometimes you see brands that are posting, you know, a lot of content, say on organic social. And like if you're a B2B and you're spending a lot of money posting on or a lot of time money say on like facebook organic and you're just getting no engagement right like it would be better to double down into linkedin probably you know for sure but um but let's talk about that so what are some examples that you've seen in your in your career yeah so if i if i look kind of a a trend line over the you know over my career and at these different places there's some things that that keep recurring that are that are common and and right now you know, the rage is all around this idea of the the pendulum swinging back and forth between uh, profitability and growth. And, you know, money's more expensive right now. So profitability, yeah. they're obviously both always, you know, are, are in play, rule of 40, however you want to get there. But yeah. um, there's definitely an emphasis on profitability right now. And, totally. and what we see is businesses and marketing leaders having to make really hard decisions about where to invest their dollars. And we don't always have all of the information that we wish we had to know exactly what is contributing where. And things that are less direct, you know, you can just do branded search, right? If you want to get down to your most efficient, but if you really want to continue to grow a business, you have to find that right balance. And yeah. so I look back earlier in my career, um, I learned a lot of lessons at, at um, you know, when we were at, at Constant Contact, you know, email marketing for small businesses. And this was really kind of, um, you know, I- introducing a new category to a new audience. 
And so we had to find ways to to continue to grow and reach that audience. And, and we stepped outside of kind of the what was at the time the traditional playbook. And we looked at what if we could figure out how to use mass media? What if we could make radio advertising a uh, repeatable, predictable driver of growth that could lead yeah. to profitability? Yeah. And so we we went into the lab on this and and you know our formula there was to you know we created sister cities and some of the stuff isn't revolutionary but it's it it leads up to kind of where we are today and how we can think about a framework to make decisions and that's and we yeah. created sister cities several different cities so that we could you know kind of get the anomalies out of the way we tested the different media mixes but the key was really looking at many different ways of measuring what the impact was. So full funnel, of course. So you're looking at, you know, what's happening in search, what's happening um, at each conversion point within the funnel. Where is it growing? Where is it slowing down? How does it compare? We also were doing attitudinal studies out in the market. How do we understand awareness, where that is moving? What are going to be the longer indicators of success that might be not paying off today? And yeah. then finally, what's the, what's the revenue in market? So you know, fast forward now to where we are today. Folks listening in might be thinking about, you know, do I need to do that that big industry event or should I look at this a different way? It's a big chunk of my budget. I'm getting, you know, pressured to to uh, you know really really focus in on ROI. Um, and I think you can you can sweep away things that are valuable, or go the other way and and you know double down on doing something that isn't actually driving business. And for me, it's it's finding those ways to get really really granular in your funnel. And understanding what is making the difference, and and that has just served me at every point along the way. As you know, from uh, you know where we were at at um, Mindbody, we were trying to understand how do we move. Um, this this one will be interesting. I'm curious on your take here. So we wanted to drive. It's a Mindbody is a uh, is a marketplace for uh, to connect um, you know wellness seekers with wellness providers. So your your studios, fitness, and we provided all the software for them to run their business. So we started running these campaigns to drive the B2B side of our business, right? So we're running, you know, some mass media, a lot of connected digital at the time. And, um, you know, and we're, we're looking for the results in the B2B business and they weren't, uh, and, and they, they weren't really coming out the way we wanted. So we shifted to focus our message on pushing consumers in. Yeah. And what we found was that was the thing that drove more B2B business, not the B2B mm. advertising. And it was interesting. It, the key for us was that we weren't just myopically, myopically looking at one part of the funnel and saying success looks like this. We were saying, yeah. where could success show up? Let's really understand what's happening. Well, what's interesting to me is the dichotomy, right? Because on the one hand, you're saying, hey, some of the things that you're doing might not actually be necessary. Like you could just mm -hmm. cut these things and not be harmed. But then on the other hand, you're saying, hey, like let's do things that are a, a bit different and take some swings. And I think the one activity where you're saying, hey, these, you, like, let's potentially cut these useless things frees up the budget exactly. to take some of those, to take some of those bigger swings. And, uh, and just for context, you know, for people that might be listening to this in a month or a year or two years, we're now in August 2023. And that pendulum has swung, not gradually, it has swung dramatically from like growth at all costs to now like profit or die basically right yeah yeah you got to control your own destiny in the space money's you know money's expensive and i think you know investors uh leaders are looking for reasons to say no not reasons to say yes let's do this thing and so the the tighter you are the more you control your own destiny the better position you're in today and it's uh and it's a really interesting space for marketers uh to be in 
you know, it, it kind of gets to the heart of what this show is all about, which is like, understand how you're driving your revenue. The better you understand that um, and the better you understand where to test, the more opportunities you're going to have to take uh, various swings. Yeah. So I want to talk about swings uh, in a second. But first, I want your take on like, just imagine your average B2B or it could even be a B2C. It could be a marketplace. But like, let's let's zoom into B2B or, you know, B2B small B for, for a little while. In general, like broad stroke speaking, what do you think are some of the things that many orgs are doing that are just like they could cut them and not be harmed at all? Bush. Like there is no broad-based answer to that. And I am live that I will, uh, I will make some enemies here in a couple spots. Um, one thing, you know, uh, at seven rooms, we're, we're a global company, so we're serving a bunch of different markets. So something that we, we had to look really closely at was our, our PR agency support, like where and how much support are we going to have in these different regions? Cause those, those, uh, costs start to escalate really quickly. So I think looking at what can you do in-house what can you do? Uh, what do you need to outsource? And how do you be really strategic about that? And where we landed was there are certain markets where we need that external help and understanding how to specifically justify that, while others doing what is you know sometimes kind of, kind of counterproductive um, is is pulling off of some of the other agency relationships. The other big one is yeah. events, and, and events is just a, you know it's a fascinating space right now. And I think you got to be really clear on where you want to be and what you're trying to get out of yeah. uh, events because that the space is just very different than it was. Um, you know, e- even just a well, the pandemic obviously had a huge impact on uh, in person events, and I, I think that the space there is is uh, still trying to figure itself out. And what you felt like you might have had to do, that you should really be taking a hard look at that. Yeah, and events. Um, are extremely expensive. Like in contrast right. to the example that I said about like organic social media that gets no engagement. Right. Um, events are extremely expensive. And that brings up another concept is that there's there's things that a lot of orgs do that they don't necessarily see benefit from. Mm-hmm. So they could cut it completely or they could add a little bit of extra investment to get more out of it and and what i'm thinking about now and excuse me for being so micro here uh but what i'm thinking about now is blogging Mm. like every organization is like you know we have a blog we have a blog like it needs to be updated like it needs to be up to date but nine times out of ten when i'm looking you know ga4 or in the analytics it's like the blog posts aren't really contributing all that much in the way of conversion um and most companies that I meet even today are still doing what I call blind blogging, which is mm-hmm. just like creating content, you know, sort of not haphazardly necessarily, but not with an SEO's mindset. And I'm an SEO by training. Mm-hmm. That's how I kind of got into this. So like, I'll look at almost any blog and I'll be like, man, like this blog post could fly with just a little bit of keyword optimization and a couple of backlinks, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, I mean, it's interesting. It's a great, you know, topic for a pod, but it's also it's so difficult in practice because it's like, what do you invent? Like, what do you double down in, in hopes of the return, and what do you just like completely cut? Do you have some sort of framework for deciding that? Well, I think I think you got to first start with like, what does doubling down mean? So does that mean we need to, you know, uh, 
take a, a stronger SEO. Let's just use the blogs as the example. Let's take a stronger SEO approach and, and make sure we're, we're doing that. And we want to double our, our output. Okay. Or you could say, let's maybe optimize what we have. I think that would be like, that's table stakes. But um, are, we, are we pushing these out enough? Or are we just expecting them to do the work for us? So doubling down might be really making sure that your, your entire organization is leveraging these. Are your SDRs really leveraging these? Are your sales reps leveraging these? How, yeah. you know, how far can you take these? Are they feeding other content? Are you really um, doubling down might not be just more of something, but it might be using something more fully. And I think that is the, the um, you know, that, that's the place where we're at. That's how you drive to profitability. You make sure you're driving ROI is the thing that you choose to do, do it really well and make sure you go all the all in on it. Yeah. And so many orgs, ourselves included, sometimes fall victim to doing too much. Yeah. or attempting to do too much with too few resources. Um, so if, if you're talking to an org that falls into that camp, it's like, you know, they're doing all the things. They have probably some basic measurement platform, but it might not be like impression to revenue, straightforward okay. tracking. Like it's difficult, even with the best tech stack, it's difficult to attribute you know, I mean, it's like the impossible equation, really. Yeah. But like when you're going into a new org, how do you figure all that out? Like, how do you decide where to add, where to cut? Yeah. So, well, some of the first flags come with like, what, what, what is, you know, what's being reported, what's being measured? Is it activities or is it outcomes? Like, that's the first step. And that's, that's like the first thing that'll help you identify. If you're measuring like things we do versus things we get as an organization, that's where you've got to start digging in and understanding what's going on now. And, and like you said, I mean, you're going to have your, you know, your demand gen team versus maybe your mark, and they're, they're going to have different ways that they can get to that final mile. But if they don't understand, um, and not they, but if you don't as an organization understand how that piece of the business is contributing to the whole and you're focused on what we're doing, that's, that's a tell that you're, you're, you're not fully, um, you haven't fully matured in, in that part of your business. And so that's to say, basically what gets measured gets managed and the mm, focus really right. should be more on the outcomes over the activities. Yes. Cause everybody has so many activities that go into the outcome and, and, and the more you can push and, um, you know, help, help get one kind of mindset around the team that we, we hold each other accountable to the outcomes. Um, it makes for much cleaner conversations and it's, it's, uh, it's, it, I think it's a healthier org over time, but that transition is difficult. Um, you know, especially as you come in as a new leader, you're trying to build trust and drive change. And, you know, you have to show results pretty quickly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, a tough yeah, one. absolutely. So I want to talk about seven rooms. In, um, but first I want you to tell us a little bit more about the story of radio at constant contact and just big swings in general. So there's a lot of people think uh, listening right now who are doing all the normal stuff, like they're going to events, they're blogging, social media, they're doing all the normal things. The idea of taking a risk, you know, might be scary, but for some, it's probably pretty exciting. The concept of taking that risk and then potentially, you know, changing the whole, the whole landscape and, and being an innovator in that regard, uh, how did that idea come up at Constant Contact and what advice would you give to the listeners in terms of, you know, if they have an ex a little bit of extra budget and want to take a swing? What's yeah, we had, we, yeah, we had two, two, um, two great factors, uh, you know, at, at Constant Contact. One, we had 
um, you know, an amazing demand gen leader, a woman named Nancy Freitas, who, um, you know, she's, uh, you know, she, she really understood how um, uh, demand gen works across the board. And, and she was leading the organization at the time. And we had a CEO who was bought into marketing, Gail Goodman, kind of, you know, Queen of SaaS, um, it really uh, understood and believed in marketing. So we had those those components in place. The approach we took, which I think is applicable in many different ways, is to understand how to start small and extrapolate to big. So for us, we were doing radio, and, and this will apply in many different ways. Local radio is more expensive than national radio. But we started in a way that was uh, responsible from an expense standpoint, where we're just in two cities. Prove this in two cities. Now, what I'll tell you is, if you looked at, does this pay off in this particular city? The answer is no. But what we did was we said, if you go national, if you expand what this is, then you're going to get economies of scale, then this works. So let's not measure this on, is it performing today? But does it have the potential to scale based on the metrics that we see today? And do we believe it can hold up when you go national? So we did that. What were rate. those leading metrics that you looked at? Like cost well, per lead sort of? Or yeah. Cost so per it, visit? you're going to look at it over, it's over a, a time horizon, right? So the first things we looked for was, okay, are, are we are we shaking anything up uh, in the industry? And that's where you got to be really looking for signals to come from anywhere. So you're looking at, it could, it, it was things like, you know, it's on our press page, right? Like, are you starting to shake the market up? Then you start to get into uh, all the search metrics. Are we are we improving conversion rates on the category terms because we have this surround sound uh, support? Are we in those first you know the first quarter of doing this? Are we stacking the pond with fish that we're going to be able to fish out with our direct response campaigns over time? So we yeah. saw early results through some of those higher funnel uh, metrics as well as just looking for any of the signals around it. And then yeah. we started to see the results as you headed in. So the other the other thing I would say, if you're taking these kind of big swings is, and this is where the, the CEO buy-in comes from, this is not like, if you're going to look at it after the first month and make a call, then it, like, I'll tell you, most of these things aren't going to work. So you, yeah. you have to get some runway on this. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if you're seeing nothing, if there's no signals coming back and, um, you know, there's no ability to tweak or move, uh, that's one thing, but um for the most part, think about these things as like a longer term to commitment to understand how it impacts the business as opposed to something that's going to be, you know, a really short term focus. Um, yeah. so it, it was yeah. the the combination of uh, that's a that's a great thing, you know, senior leadership buy in because you got it takes grit to continue to stay with things and until you really understand if it works. And too often, you, you know, you pull that cord too early and, and you could have seen something great. That's true. And that's a quotable moment right there. Um, so shout out really quick to our producer, Yona, who's awesome. He watches every second of every episode. And if you want, uh, JT, if if there's some awesome moment that you like want to have that snippet, just ask Yona, nice. he'll, he'll hook you up. But yeah, <laughs> I think that whole like last couple minutes was was quotable, I think. Um, cool. Well, one last question before we get into uh, Seven Rooms. So at Constant Contact, it sounds like you had a CEO who was a marketer at heart, understood, understood it, you know, was willing to put in the time and effort and money and think in a long-term basis. Many CMOs are not in such a fortunate scenario. They have CEOs or boards or, you know, CFOs or others that don't understand marketing and have unrealistic expectations. How would you go about handling that? 
Um, I, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, you got to build the trust at each level. Um, you know, as coming into a new org, like before you can start to get to, you know, further up, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the pyramid, you got to feed, you got to feed your sales team and you got to find a way to at least have, um, uh, that, that base level of, uh, you know, Maslow's hierarchy. Like you gotta, like that's, that's food and water for, for the team. As you start to have proof points there. Then you show the connection and it's, it's communicating that connection, I think is the most important thing. And, and if you do it at small levels, then when you want to do big things, it can, it can be much more uh, understandable. And that's an opportunity to educate, you know, mostly if you get, if you can get your senior leadership and your, your CEO on board, then you can, then you can go to the board. I mean, I don't think of the board as really the one that, that you need to get on board, but if you have a passionate uh, CEO who understands how it works. And you take them through the process of understanding the building blocks. Yeah, we all love direct response. To get more direct response, we need to do these things. Here's how they're connected. I'm going to show you in a small way. Now let's move to the next level, next level. If you come in and you try to take the big swing right out of the gate, um, I would say no. I would say no to that because you haven't you haven't shown that it's going to work here. The other big failure is, um, oh, here's this thing that worked somewhere else and it's going to work here. I never believe in that. I never like they're just there's so there's so many factors that make every situation different. You got to yeah. take core principles and then understand what's this situation? Where do I apply here? It's never yeah. the same thing. Yeah. And a lot of times one of the biggest variables is the sales org as a mm -hmm. marketer. Yeah, for like, sure. I'll give you an example. We had a financial services client. We were spending like a couple hundred grand a month for them on uh, Facebook ads. And all of our metrics were just on fire. Like mm. cost per lead looked good. Lead quality looked good. Transfer rates, like everything was looking good. But they were struggling with profitability. Um, yeah. And we ended up kind of quasi getting fired, but we kind of fired them and they kind of fired us sort of thing. Right. Uh, but we reached out to, you know, the big competitor in that space. And we were like, hey, we figured out how to do this for this exact type of company. Mm. And we ended up getting that deal and they have an amazing sales org. Like they're mm -hmm. like next level in terms of, you know, it was like sort of a, a Maserati compared to a Honda Civic kind of yeah. thing. Uh, and and that is just, you know, it's going amazingly well still to this day. Yeah, I think that's that's within a space. So like there you can you can you can translate across. Yeah. Um, uh, most most CMOs are usually shifting in some ways outside as they go to their next place. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. See what there's, they are. Right? Oh yeah, if you're going cross space, there's definitely yeah. All set past is not the same. You know, I, I hear some that you've heard some kind of PEs think like you know all, all kind of like this this SaaS world is you know it tastes like chicken and it's going to be the same thing. And right, there's enough nuance in there that that that's a a, a lot of that is true, but a lot of that is not true. Um, and figuring yeah. out which one is important. And that's a great seg to seven rooms, right? Yeah. Because, you know, our SaaS clients generally come in the form of enterprise. Like they are constant, they're always whale hunting. They want to sell into yeah. large orgs. Uh, I don't know much about seven rooms, but it seems like you could sell to large hospitality orgs or small ones. Um, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong there, but, uh, but let's talk about seven rooms. Like just give us. Sort yeah, of a product it, overview, sort of like who's your market? Yeah, I'll t I'll, I won't. I won't make it a, a, a full on ad, but I'll give you a little bit because it sets context for kind of how I think and some of the challenges that we face. You know, Seven Rooms is a guest experience and retention platform. 
So we're, we're really helping kind of restaurants and, and, you know, food and beverage within a lot of these hotels. So you think of, um, you know, how these restaurants, and, and if you think about a restaurant, right, they, um, you know, their margins are tight. They, it's all about how do they, how do they map these magical experiences that they provide to something that's actually sustainable? They have to make money in order to continue to do this. And so, that, so we sit in the middle of that from where, how they acquire new diners. That's everything from, um, you know, a, a reservation widget for how they can capture that information to guest lists, to how we connect into um, POS and, and um, mobile ordering and all these other ways that guests are coming in at the front side. But then the cool part about Seven Rooms is we also work with them on their on-premise optimization uh, of their operations. So uh, table turns, you know, uh, we have a ton of data that helps us help these restaurants understand um, how long is this party based on what they ordered going to stay at this table? Um, yeah. How you know, can you, you know, should you shorten your table turn so you can get another rotation in through the night? Those things add up to real money. So we have this amazing, all this amazing data is coming in to seven rooms, which is really, uh, you know, at its core and a CRM for restaurants. And the, the mechanism, sorry to interrupt, but the yeah. mechanism is through the POS system for the most part. That the data no, is. no, through the reservation system is really where it starts. The POS system feeds us as well. They feed us oh, information okay. about you know kind of what people are are purchasing and where they're at. So that's that's a component of it. But the core information that comes in on the user starts with um, starts with really that reservation. What are they you know how many people are they coming with? What do they put in? Where are they at? The POS feeds the CRM as well. But the really Got cool it. part about this, so you take all this information about. Um, you know, about a diner, right? And then we can, we've added, um, you know, marketing automation and email marketing on top of that CRM. So you come in, you love red wine, um, you know, particularly cabs. So they know all this information. They know they have, you know, 50, 100 diners that that fit this same criteria of red wine lover. And then they can run events and drive emails specifically to you that's really tailored and personalized to get you to come back into the restaurant um, to, to you know do a wine tasting event, to do these other things. So all those things give them the edge so that they can do what they do best, which is provide the experience, but create additional ways to make that really easy for them to know exactly who the guest is, what they love, um, and how they can serve them better. Well, that sounds amazing. Um, it's I'm it's really amazing company. I mean, I you know I, coming from um, you know mind body constant content, all these different ways that are serving SaaS. And what's most amazing about Seven Rooms is I hear a lot of people promise like oh, we like we're in the business of making you like Seven Rooms. We make these restaurants more money. Like and that's yeah. a worthy cause because they're trying to you know you have a an engagement event you you know or you're you're going to propose or I have a daddy daughter dinner. We help those restaurants make those experiences more special. And so I can feel this deep connection to um, actually people's experiences in life. And it's, it's a pretty cool place to work. That's really cool. Where do you hang out in the market? Like I'm on your website right now. Are you mostly selling to like chains and larger orgs or mostly to like the smaller kind of, you know, still analog kind of? restaurants. Yeah, so it's it's less the less the really small mom and pops. It's, you know, the Jose Andres of the world, uh, you know, Danny Meyer, these these um, you know, a little bit upscale restaurants really serve a broad spectrum of them. Um, but it's not it's not your fast casual uh chains. It's really people who are focused in on the experience who Got want it. to make sure that that's their differentiator, that they they know their customers and they're driving them to become regulars. 
Got it. Got it. Yeah. So hotels, membership hotels, clubs, great. Hotels breweries, have so much information, wineries. right? Yeah. Oh, they have so much information. So anybody who, who, you know, you have this promise of big data, but what we can do is help make that actionable. So hotels yeah. of us, because they can take all this information they have in and provide amazing experience. I'm just thinking of all the AI plays. I bet you your product team is just going bananas with AI right now. hundred percent, hundred percent. And you know, the, I think, uh, I can't tease too much. There is a lot. We have a lot of exciting uh, product announcements that will be coming out this fall, all focused on you know leveraging the latest technology and and helping helping restaurants make more money in a super competitive environment. Nice, cool. I know you've only been there. Uh, it looks like less than a year. Um, yeah. But what are some things you've done so far? What are you proud of? Who like who on your team would you like to call out or give a little bit of love to? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, joining uh, any company. I inherited a, a, a fantastic team at Seven Rooms, and and we had um, you know, we had some exciting product uh, releases that were coming out. Email marketing was new for us, and oh. it it really was this um, you know th this powerful addition that that could really show ROI. So yeah. it's cool because like I, when I was at Constant Contact. And there's some folks that have gotten better at this, but it was difficult to get all the way to like, what did I really get out of this email? We yeah. can show you exactly how much revenue is generated from um, sending out an email because of the way we're connected um, into all the data at the restaurant level. And so that really? has been a hit. that's been a hit with our customers because they're that's like huge. The marketers who are 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 you know work at the um, work at our customers um, organizations they love it because they can go back to their boss and be like, look. I, we did this email. We made this much money. Like, awesome. Yeah. This is this is um, this is this is the way we need to uh, continue to grow. And now we want to add these events. So that one was a huge win for seven rooms and for restaurants on the platform. And you know, we, you know, we have thousands and thousands of restaurants around the globe on the platform, and and they're continuously adopting and finding new ways to make money there. That's we, super cool. The other big thing is kind of where we're we're starting to invest, and in, and that's getting closer to the customer. You know, we're going to do our first. Um, you know, customer conference, um, you know, coming up in London this fall, working on mm -hmm. building out communities. You know, I hear, I've you know, listened to a lot of your podcasts. That's uh, definitely, um, you know, kind of a, a central focus for a lot of businesses these days is how do you get, you know, get really close uh, to your customers and hospitality. These are some really fun people. They're super busy and hard to get to, but, um, you know, putting on these events and building this community is, um, is a lot of fun in addition um, to learning from them. And making sure that we're constantly um, working to help them succeed. That's awesome. London is an interesting choice. Are you guys EMEA based? No. So we're we're US based, but uh, you know the international markets. We are we're we're absolutely killing it in the international markets. And this is um, different for for me from from my past experience. And our our product fit with the competitive landscape and the way that the the markets operate is a perfect fit. Um, you know, a strong fit in in the U.S. and everywhere else, but just like real, real, really strong product market fit um, in, uh, in in some of these international markets, and we've seen great growth there that we continue to invest in. That's cool. So, what are your big channels like? What like how are you guys getting most of your business? I I know there's probably a lot of word of mouth, a lot of like product driven stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, word of mouth oh. is huge, um, and that's again why we want to connect these communities or the the hospitality industry. Uh, talks and they move around a lot, right? So you have people who are, you know, working, um, you know, at one restaurant, they end up working at another restaurant in different capacities throughout. So it's a very fluid 
uh, space. And, and so that is a, is a big driver. You know, we, we, we've been finding our, our direct response channels, you know, the classic kind of uh, search channels um, to be very effective for us. And um, our, our content, uh, our content has improved, you know, incredibly. We, we, we have uh, hired some, some great folks on that team who are doing amazing work to really start to, to push out and drive some of that thought uh, leadership in the space. So, well, your SEO is on point. I'll give a shout out to your SEO team because I see a lot of websites and um, the first thing I look at is like, A, are there keywords in the page title? Right. You know, because most titles or most page titles will just say like platform, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then B, like, do those keywords appear on the page? And you have almost a one for one match going on. Like, page title almost matches the headline, like, exactly. Yeah. The the website is 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 somewhere. So we're, we, we definitely, um, yeah, we, we, we're doing, we do our work there because those are the, those are some great ways you can drive ROI. Those are things that are in your control. You got to get those things right. Uh, But we're in the process of rebuilding our website right now and are pretty excited about, you know, an upcoming launch there. So, you know, you come into a new org, you see the things that are going well, we double down on those things. Um, And then, um, you know, we're, we're adding on all these additional layers. So I'm, I'm really, really excited for where, uh, seven rooms is going and where the space is going. And I, I 100% believe in this product, which is, uh, it's always great to be able to rep something that you just 100% uh, are bought into. That's awesome. So um, as you redo the website, your SEO team will tell you, try your best to not change the URLs and to not yeah. change the page titles if you can, or the content even all that much. Yeah. But yeah, we just need more that. flexibility to, to um, you know, to, to, just to continue to get get our messages out in different ways, and so it's uh, no, it's it's uh, it's it's always a good journey. It's always a scary journey too, though. Nice. Well, um, tell everybody as much as you can. Uh, what's the bad news? What are your challenges? What keeps you up at night? Um. Well, one one. So if I think uh, we'll stay work focused and maybe lie on the couch after this, but yeah, uh, that you know, in in the, especially in the states in the restaurant space. There's uh, there's a heavy dependency on um, legacy marketplaces. You can think of like your open tables, um, and that can be challenging for restaurants because those marketplaces are trying to build relationships with diners, which can be in conflict with um, what the restaurants are trying to do, which is build those relationships. Yeah. And there's you know there's a lot of control in the space. You saw this you know it happened to travel um, you know maybe uh, ten years ago. Um, and all the the different hotels and everybody had to figure out how they played in this game. And yeah. um, if restaurants are leaving their business on autopilot there, it can be really dangerous because like, you know, with, with SEO. So if they're getting, if somebody's directly navigating to their restaurant, I know where I want to eat tonight. I'm coming to get a reservation yeah. and a, a third party marketplace is taking a cut of that. The margins are too thin for that to happen. And so right. um, what keeps me up at night is just the the restaurant, like how do we make sure we help the restaurant industry understand what's in their best interest. Now, I'm not saying there's not a place for open tables and resis, and there is, and it can really help. But you've got to manage it. Like when it's, uh, if you have a, a slow night, you know, t- Tuesdays, Wednesdays are slow, or whatever. Yeah, like use it there. If you're full on other nights, don't use it there. Like make sure you're you're really managing these things. And that's part of the message we try to get out to restaurants is how do they help themselves make sure that they're they're um, using these channels correctly. And if you just leave it on autopilot. Um, it, it can be, it can be, it, it can really eat into, to their, their profit margin. 
Wow, that's really interesting. I've never considered that. I mean, we have we've worked with hotels um, and other hospitality, and we've worked also with company. It's almost like like an affiliate marketing. Like if you have an affiliate marketing program, yep, there's almost like a coopetition, you know? Right. Like yeah, like because like you want that click so that it goes to your website so that you get all the revenue, that's but you right. also want your affiliates to get there because if they weren't there, then your competitors might get the deal. Right. So yeah, you want them in all the places you're not so that you can maximize where you're spending and, and right. use that effectively. And yeah, it, it, you know, it's challenging. It, it's just being so it's really like, smart and understanding and asking questions and, um, you know, like, cause, cause you can use them to your advantage, but we, we, at, at seven rooms, we're, we're, we're like operator focused. We have no, there's no question about who we work for. We work for the restaurants um, and so we're, we're, we're constantly just finding ways. And there's just this idea of like omni-channel, right? Like a restaurant should be able to take in reservations and get business from anywhere. And, and that's, that gives them the best, you know, fighting chance to control their brand and, and, uh, and win in the end. And, and so that, that we really try to help focus them and coach them on how do they, how do they show up everywhere they possibly can? Social is a huge driver. Referrals and word of mouth is a huge driver. How do they stay yeah. on top of that? Um, and Google, I mean, uh, restaurants near me is like, uh, you know, like that is uh, people traveling. I mean, I'm sure you, you know, even you, right? Like at some point you're like, type in <laughs> restaurants near me, Italian. Every day, <laughs> every single day. That's right. Um, yeah. So just have all of your restaurants put that in their homepage title tag. There you go. <laughs> like Italian restaurants near me dash city. Google's pretty good though. Google has this reserve, uh, Google reserve, which is, um, something every restaurant should be doing is, is making sure that they're set up there to, to capture those reservations when, uh, especially when people, people know what they want a lot of times too. And yeah, and want to make sure you're controlling that experience. Yeah. So I wonder if there's an opportunity for you guys to partner with open table or maybe you already do. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we're, I think we're more in a competitive space. We have, you know, they, they have overlapping, um, functionality that we have, they have the marketplace. So, um, we definitely have worked together, but, um, you know, we, and I see a future where a true omni-channel future will all work together in service to the restaurant. Um, but, yeah. you know, the, the more educated the restaurants are at where their business comes from, the further we move into that, that future. That makes sense, man. Yeah. So what's next? Or And I again, I know you're relatively new there still after a year, but what are you guys looking at for Q4 next year? What are you investing in? What are some of your big initiatives? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the customer event is really uh, a, a big place where where we're investing, um, you know, in this near term at, at um, MindBody, we had this this bold event, which which grew to be this this huge Michelle Obama spoke at it right it became like uh kind of like a, a smaller version of of inbound um with HubSpot and so we're we're going to do our first year of that and so that's a that's a big push for us um yeah. to line up and get right and then um you know as we head into next year it's continuing to push into these international markets like you know how do we do more um you know when we look across and and I like to take a portfolio approach to uh, marketing because we we have that advantage. You still have sales reps who have quotas who you need to feed in every market. But yeah. when we're seeing significant efficiency in certain markets, how do we make sure we're diverting the right uh, direct response dollars to the places where we we have that advantage from all the way down to a cost per click through all the conversion rates um, without starving the other markets? So I'm trying to find the right balance of um, how do we make sure we're deploying all our dollars uh, effectively to drive maximum global growth, take advantage of efficiencies, and feed um, you know important future markets for our growth? 
Interesting. So are you, um, when you talk international, are you mostly looking at like Western Europe for the most part? Australia is really big, Singapore, Hong Kong, Italy, okay. all these so places. The we're really English speaking kind of, or at least um, uh, where, where English is, um, you know, uh, widely, uh, widely spoken is a good spot for us. Okay, cool. So it sounds like you're taking a nice big swing with this event, which is awesome. Um, any other big swings that you have up your sleeve that you can talk about? Like I, mean, you, I, think- I, I have to, I have to believe you're thinking mass media somewhere in the back of your mind. Well, yeah, I mean mass media at the at the right time and place. So it, you know, I don't I don't think that's necessarily um, necessarily where we need to go. But there are components of of um, uh, of more trackable uh, like connected TVs in in my head and how, how we start to think about. Um, a, a product placement in some ways, right? There's a lot going on with uh, influencers. There's so many shows out there that are focused in on um, the restaurant space. And so how do we think about fresh approaches to how we reach our audience and help really make sure it's not just for awareness, but it's that we're, we're really honing in on how we add value to the market. So uh, the, the big things in the short term in the next couple of months, we have some major products um, enhancements coming out. And so we need to do a great job both bringing that to our customers, our existing customers, which is, you know, I, I think sometimes I've been guilty of this in my past is, is thinking about how we're going to use these, these, uh, these new products to drive new people into the funnel and, and not doing all the hard work of making sure that our existing customer base is going to be able to really understand and get the most out of these. And so, um, yeah. trying to find that balance between making sure we're, we're, um, appropriately, uh, helping our customers continue to get the most out of the product as we add new things. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's a global, uh, SaaS shift that we've seen in 2023 also just like, yeah. cause it used to be all new logo, new logo, new logo. And now it's like retention, expansion, like we were right down the, the fairway there as well, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and our customers grow a lot too, which is great, right? They're adding new concepts, new locations. And so, um, yeah. You know, there, there is a lot of kind of new new business sometimes that even sits within the base, and that that's a that's a great place for us to, you know, they have somebody who 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 loves us, who then goes and and ends up you know operating within that that new concept, and and it's just it's a home run for us. Yeah, and there's the old saying like it's six times easier to get sure. more money from somebody or a client that's already paying you than it is to get a net new. Yeah. And yeah. that's been that's been our business model the whole time through the booms <laughs> and the busts. That's that's how we, we've been rolling. I uh, love it. Um, cool, man. Well, this has been awesome for everybody that's listening. If you learned something here today, if you laughed, if you enjoyed it, drop us a like, a comment, or a rating uh, wherever you get your pods. That's really helpful for us. Uh, JT, you are an amazing marketer. You're an amazing leader. You're very impressive. Uh, I'm really impressed by what you've done so far and seven rooms seems like an awesome product. And I can tell, I mean, I'm just by looking at the website, I can tell that you and your team really know what you're doing. So props (laughs) to you. It's a great Um, team. It's a great team. Yeah. For everybody listening that wants to learn more about you uh, or seven rooms, where would you direct them? I mean, hit me up on LinkedIn, Josh Todd on LinkedIn, um, you know, lo- love to connect with folks and, and continue conversations, help anywhere I can and, and um, learn some things along the way. So yeah, hit me up on LinkedIn. Perfect. Well, stay on the line one second, JT, we will close up. But for everybody, thank you very much. That was another exciting episode of Revenue Driven CMO, and we'll see you next time. And that's a wrap. 
Thanks for joining us here today. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at revenuedrivencmo.com. That's revenuedrivencmo.com. And hey, exclusive for listeners of this podcast, Web Mechanics will do 10 to 20 hours of work for you for free. Literally no sales calls, no BS. Just give them a problem and they will put a team to work for you for free for 10 to 20 hours. Even if you're already a client, if you're struggling with demand gen, lead gen, SEO, SEM, Google ads, LinkedIn ads, conversion optimization, if you can't get Facebook or meta ads to work for the life of you, or you can't figure out attribution, Web Mechanics will take a good hard look at whatever problem you give them, whatever programs you put in front of them, and they will give you an objective, informed opinion, plus some advice from 10 to 20 hours of senior level attention. And that's just because you're a listener of this podcast. So I would suggest take them up on this offer. It's ridiculous. Go to revenuedrivencmo.com slash free. Fill out the two-minute form and you will not regret it. Literally zero downside, unlimited potential for growth. So do yourself a favor, revenuedrivencmo.com slash free. No hypens, no punctuations. You will be happy about that decision.